0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a mini episode from M's Books and Cats podcast, and I am sharing my book, The Last Witch, with you a chapter a week. This week is chapter four. We didn't go back to the cave after that day. Blade didn't talk about it. He didn't talk about anything. He grew sullen and quiet, and most of our time was spent sitting in silence. We sat in the gardens and watched the butterflies dance among the colorful blooms. Summer was passing quickly. The approaching school year seemed mundane and boring compared to the time I spent with Blade, and I thought about it with less dread than the previous years. The other kids didn't seem to matter anymore. Blade sat staring at the entrance to the maze, barely blinking. I got the feeling he wasn't really there, and he was traveling in some land far beyond my comprehension. Every day I waited for him to return— He would sit motionless for hours before suddenly turning to look at me with dazed eyes and ask me the time. It was always quarter to four, and he would get up and leave without another word. Sometimes I sat for a while after he left and stared at the maze, trying to see whatever it was Blade saw. No matter how long I sat there, Valencia was always in the window of the library when I turned to leave. The glass had been repaired, and she stood there each day watching me and muttering to herself. I could see her lips moving and her hands moved in front of her, creating large shapes in the air. Thin strands of hair fell into her eyes, but she continued to sign and mutter without brushing them away. The days continued the same. They began to blur together into one long, boring, and anxious day. One morning, Blade began acting strangely. He jumped up and paced around in front of the maze, before returning to stare at the entrance. He left early that day, unable to sit still any longer, He made a quick excuse and left me. I watched him walk away and noticed that he was limping. Valencia was watching him as well and muttering and gesturing wildly. Blade turned at the edge of the forest and gave me a large smile. It was wild and manic, and I was frightened. I followed his gaze to the library window. Valencia stood frozen in mid-gesture with her hands held high above her head. Her mouth was open in a silent scream, and then she crumpled out of sight. I ran to her, certain as my feet pounded up the stairs that she would be gone by the time I reached her. I threw myself full force into the library door and burst in to see her body thrashing around violently. It stiffened and lifted up off the floor. I threw myself on top of her and pinned her down. She immediately went limp, coughed, and was still. Her expression was dazed, and she rubbed her temples slowly, like she did when she was about to have a migraine. Finally, she seemed to recognize me. She sat up slowly. Casey? She went limp again, but I caught her and held her up as best I could. As she leaned against me, I could feel the twig-like bones of her arms. She seemed so feeble and defenseless. I held her until she was able to stand. She leaned heavily on me, and we walked slowly to a particularly dusty shelf of books, where she pulled out a gray volume with the word Duma Vine printed down the side in gold letters. There was a soft, almost inaudible click, and the shelves swung back, revealing a dark passageway. We entered the darkness, and the door clicked shut behind us. My eyes adjusted slowly to the dim light. It came from far down the passage, and we began to shuffle slowly toward its origin. As the light grew brighter, Valencia's steps grew stronger, and we were able to move more quickly. The source of the light was obvious the moment we stepped into the room. There was a swirling vortex of golden light hovering in the middle of the large space. The walls were covered in heavy draperies, each filled with small, intricate pictures and designs that shimmered and moved on their own. In a far corner was a tremendous bookcase filled with stacks of ancient books. Placed next to the bookcase was a small black sofa, where Valencia sat down, her head resting against a plush velvet pillow. She indicated to an overstuffed maroon chair, and I sank into it slowly. My eyes were trying to take in the whole room at once. What do you think? Valencia's voice be turned toward her in surprise. The rasp and crackle were gone, and she seemed vibrant and alive. She was smiling at me. Her face was young and her wrinkles smoothed away. Her hair was thick, dark, and glossy, instead of her usual tangled ball of gray frizz. I stared at her, speechless and confused, and she laughed. It was loud and clear as a bell. So now you see that the rumors are true. I am indeed a witch. The last witch of Hollow, but one, to be exact. I wish I could have told you sooner. I am sorry you have suffered, Casey. But it is our curse. Humans can always sense when someone is different, even if the person is not aware of it themselves. I was aware of it, I said bitterly. The isolation of the past ten years came flooding back, The taunts and the cruelty were sharp and still hurt me deeply. Valencia must have seen it on my face because she sighed and tapped her fingers on the sofa. I wanted to tell you sooner, but I could not. Your education could not begin until you came of age. Until then it had to be kept a secret. It was the only way to keep you safe. Safe from what? All in good time, dear. We will have a good long talk tonight. I have been looking forward to this for a long time first of all, have you seen any sizzles? I looked at her blankly, and she laughed. I'm sorry. I forgot you do not yet know the terminology. Sizzles are the beginnings of magic. It can be anything from unexplained powers or sensations, to even seeing strange beasts or phantom lights. Yes, I've seen them. Good. That means you're ready. We talked through the night, Dawn was breaking over the treetops as I emerged from the passage into the library. I crossed to the desk and picked up a book. My head was spinning as I tried to process all the new information. I should have been tired, but I felt the way I had the first time I tried Valencia's espresso. Objects in the room looked sharp and defined, and it was like I was seeing everything for the first time. I went to the window and looked out across the maze. From the library, the maze stretched out far into the distance. The hedges created a beautiful shape spiraling out from the center i wondered where the lion fountain lay in that huge labyrinth a flutter of movement turned my eye from the maze and i saw blade emerge from the forest he saw me and i slowly raised my hand in greeting he stared back at me with a blank expression i turned and started slowly toward the door i did not run to meet him valencia's words came back to me she had spoken again of the raskies and their once mighty leader She believed Blade to be half of the Great Rasky, brought down centuries before by a powerful witch from Norg Hollow. Which half, the good or the bad, she didn't know, and it became my task to find out. I was afraid as I moved toward him. He watched me with the same blank expression. His hands were shoved deep into the pockets of his jeans, and his shoulders were hunched against the cold mist of early morning. He held his hand out to me as I approached, and I took it and followed him into the forest. He led me down a path I had never noticed before. We slipped through a thin opening between two huge oaks and followed a path lined with large, moss-covered rocks. Tiny white and orange flowers speckled the vibrant green, and the trees grew close and were intertwined in a tight canopy overhead. The path was dark. I stumbled against Blade. My heart jumped into my throat every time we touched. I heard the water before we came to it. The path ended abruptly on the bank of a clear, bubbling brook. To one side was a bench that had been carved out of a fallen tree, and a picnic was spread on a small open space beside it. Blade sat me on the bench and brought me a gorgeous breakfast of fruit and bread. There was more of his mom's apple wine. I sipped at it cautiously and remembered Valencia's warning words. Blade was as happy that morning as when we first met. He was talkative and laughed easily. After breakfast, he held my hand and watched the flowing water at our feet. I'd like you to meet my family, Casey. Really? My heart pounded nervously, but I couldn't tell if it was from fear or his gentle smile. Yeah, my mom keeps asking me when you're going to come over, and I've told my sister all about you. I really like you, Casey. I know they will, too. He squeezed my hand and leaned in to kiss me. His lips were soft and sweet. I couldn't resist the curiosity that burned inside me. I wanted to meet his family. And when we finally parted, I agreed to meet them sometime that week. The idea made me nervous. Even after everything Valencia had told me, I still wanted them to like me. Valencia was worried when I told her. She had taken on her elderly persona and was sitting hunched over in a rocking chair in the living room. A large shawl was drawn around her thin shoulders, though the day was very warm. My head was swimming. Love and magic and danger were all struggling to be in the forefront of my mind. I soothed Valencia's nerves as best I could and went outside to walk and think. I was just rounding a bend in the drive when I saw Blade. Without knowing why, I quickly ducked behind a tree. He looked around suspiciously before moving into the trees. I hurried to the spot where he had entered the forest, keeping low in case he turned around. Just beyond the tree line, there was a path, and I followed Blade quietly close enough to keep sight of him, but far enough behind to give me time to hide if he suddenly turned back. He didn't turn around once, but moved purposefully down the path. He moved quickly, and I hurried to keep up. Then I stumbled over a root and rolled into some bushes. Blade froze. Is someone there? Evelyn? He waited a moment longer before he continued his confident stride. I wondered who Evelyn was as I crawled back onto the path and continued after him. I bent at the waist and moved quickly through the deepening darkness. I came upon him suddenly and had to dive into the underbrush to avoid being seen. He knelt before a tall piece of black rock, a giant slab that lay propped against the rocky mountainside like an ancient toppled gravestone. He rested his forehead against the polished rock, and I could see his lips moving. At first I could not hear the words from my hiding place among the sticks and brush, but as I watched he began to speak louder, chanting in a strange tongue. His hand was hidden under his jacket, a heavy wool jacket that seemed strange in the oppressive august heat. His chanting turned into a scream. The sound was maddening until he stopped abruptly. In the sudden silence, he slowly withdrew his hand from his jacket. Held lightly in his strong brown hand was a small bird. Tufts of gray and white feathers peeked out from between his fingers. The bird looked quietly at Blade. It turned its inquisitive face to him without fear. I could see his fingers tightening around its little body. The bird began to thrash, and a squeal escaped it that was unlike any sound I'd ever heard. I covered my ears, but I couldn't drown it out. I couldn't tear my eyes away from the thrashing animal until there was a cracking sound, and the bird fell silent. Blade removed a long, thin knife from his pocket and laid the bird at the foot of the stone. He slid it open and laid the entrails on the ground. He took his blood-smeared hands and ran them over the stone. The blood glowed before vanishing into the rock. The surface of the stone began to ripple. He placed his hands against it, and they disappeared. His body melted into the stone, and he was gone. I ran to the rock, but it was hard and cold under my hands. The bird's body had vanished, and I stood where it had been, wondering what to do next. There was a rustle in the trees, and I turned to find Blade's sister staring at me. I jumped back, but she smiled sweetly. Hello. My name's Evelyn. What's yours? I'm Casey. You're my brother's friend. Have you seen him? I was following him, but he got away. I haven't seen him. She knew I was lying. I could see it in her face. But she just shrugged. Oh, well. I guess I'll just go help Mom make cookies. Do you like cookies? Sure. Well, it was nice to meet you, Evelyn. I should really go. Mom's making chocolate chip cookies, she said sweetly. They're my favorite. That sounds good. I really need to get back to my house now. I started slowly backing down the path. To help your grandma? Yeah. Blade told me she's a witch. Is that true? That's a rumor the other kids started. She's just old. Are you sure? It'd be a lot more interesting if she was a witch. I'm sure. Look, Evelyn... I really need to get back. She shrugged. Okay, bye. She sat down at the base of the rock and began drawing in the dirt. The cookies were forgotten, and she was singing to herself as I started down the path. Once out of sight, I began to run. I went as fast as I could, stumbling over roots and rocks until I found the driveway. I kept running all the way back to the house. My heart was pounding by the time I reached the front door. I threw it open and collapsed just inside. I lay there trying to catch my breath and waiting for my heartbeat to slow down. That's how Valencia found me. She dropped the elderly persona immediately and rushed to my side. I sat up quickly to show her that I was all right, and she helped me to my feet. We went upstairs to the library. Valencia left me to get a glass of water, and when she returned, I told her everything I'd seen. She listened to my story in silence. When I stopped speaking, she stood and paced the room with her arms crossed tightly over her chest. This worries me, Casey. I think we have found Gretik. Or rather, he found you. I wonder if the sister is the other half. How did she seem? I don't know. She talked kind of funny, but she's just a little kid. She was really sweet and friendly. Maybe she's the good half. Valencia sat behind her desk and fell silent. I waited for her to say more. She looked up at the ceiling and drummed her fingers on the desktop for a moment, before jumping up and going to the door of the secret passage. I need some time to consider this. I will speak with you later. She stepped into the passage and was gone without another word. I went to the window and looked out. Evening was approaching. I stood facing west, watching the very first wisps of sunset appear in the sky. It was beautiful, and I felt much better with my back turned to the east. I watched the sky turn bright pink and then slowly fade into the coolness of dusk. Dusk turned to night, and I finally turned away from the window. The secret door swung open minutes later, and Valencia entered the room. She motioned to me and I followed her wordlessly into the passage. The hidden room was filled with candles. The golden swirling light was gone, and the room was cozier in the dim candlelight. I settled myself on the sofa, and Valencia poured me a glass of iced tea. I have a tale to tell you, Casey. It's not something I ever wanted you to hear, for it reflects badly on me, but I think it will help you understand. She paused for a moment. Her face was thoughtful and a little sad. There was shame there and regret, something I had never seen on her face before. I am old, Casey, far older than I seem to humans, 428 years in their reckoning. Yet I was once a young and pretty witch, more interested in my own beauty and the strength of my magic than anything else. Men flocked to me, and I liked showing off my powers. It was dangerous to do so. If only I'd known then how dangerous it was. The human race is not kind to those who are different. But I flaunted my powers anyway. Some men feared me. Some wanted to use me to their advantage. None of them loved me. That was all I wanted all I thought about in those days. I met Christopher during the height of my vanity. It seems so long ago. She sighed. Her eyes were sad, but a little smile remained on her lips as she continued. He was so handsome. I'll never forget the first time I saw him. It was at a ball. Times were different then. He was dressed in mourning clothes, black from head to toe. When I asked him who had passed, he gave me a cunning smile, and said, No one. I knew there was something special about him then. His outer appearance was that of a gentleman, and a rather boring one at that. But his true self was something far more complex and mysterious. I think I fell in love with him at that very moment, and I have loved him ever since. Her hands shook, spilling a little of her tea into her lap, but she didn't notice. A tear slid down her cheek, followed by another, then two more, and then she stopped. Those four drops were the only tears I ever saw her shed over Christopher, though we would talk about him constantly in the weeks to follow. I sipped at my tea and waited for her to continue. I knew how she felt. As she spoke, my thoughts drifted to Blade in his mischievous smile. I was just beginning to understand how it felt to be in love. Valencia must have seen this reflected in my face, And when she next spoke, her voice was strong once more, the loss and longing replaced by a more mechanical recitation. Love is a blinding force. It can close your eyes to many things, many faults in a person that should not be ignored. I was fortunate that Christopher had very few. He was a kind soul, intelligent and generous, and I was proud to have him love me. We were married for 46 years, and they were the happiest of my long life. I bore him two children, twins, a girl and a boy. Your uncle Maven has spent the past 80 years in the magical realm, trying to unite the sorcerers of greys and bring them to our aid. The time is drawing near, and we will need all the help we can find. But it still may not be enough. But I am getting off topic, and you must be confused. Where was I? Oh, yes. After I gave birth to Clara and Maven, I had to tell Christopher the truth. He was the only man from whom I had kept my true identity. I was so scared that he wouldn't love me if he knew. There were a few rumors, of course, but I always made light of them and didn't think he suspected a thing. I was shocked to find out that he already knew. He was a sorcerer from Gray's, a Deku, the most powerful of them all. That was his true self, the thing I sensed immediately upon meeting him. We were both different, and somehow, we had found each other. Life was very happy after that. We only disguised ourselves in public, and the kids knew to never tell a soul about our true identities. It was a wonderful period of time. Everything was so good, and we were all so happy. If I were human, it would have been almost my entire life. That's their blessing and their curse. If they're lucky, their brief lives are filled with love and happiness. Christopher wasn't human, but his life was that way, short and happy. That was the only thing that made his death bearable for me. The thought that he lived his whole life in love and joy. I tried to think of it like that, but most of the time I just felt robbed. I should have had him for a true lifetime. I lost centuries. It wasn't fair. I still have a hard time thinking about it. I'm sorry. This time Valencia just wrapped her arms around herself and trembled. The sorrow she felt was tearing her apart, and had been for many, many years. I reached over and rubbed her bony shoulders. The shaking slowly subsided, and she was able to speak once more. She poured a new cup of tea and smiled at me. This is a long tale to end such a long day, but I am coming to my conclusion if you will be patient with me. I agreed, and we settled back into our seats. The day Christopher died, he was mixing a potion he had made a million times before. It was a simple elixir for baldness, for he could never stand to lose his beautiful hair. Something went wrong, and the mixture exploded. The house was vaporized. There was nothing but a pile of ash when I returned from the market. I just stood there for a while. I dropped my disguise, and I just stood there, honest and true. Thank goodness the children were grown and gone by then. I don't know how long I would have stayed like that if Sparks hadn't shown up. He was Christopher's best friend from childhood, another sorcerer of greys. His talents were mostly in shape-changing and herb lore, but he was strong. His powers rivaled Christopher's, and they had been competing with each other since infancy. I wasn't surprised to see him there, though I should have been. Sparks hadn't been around for over thirty years at that point, He lived in a house on our property before then, a small wooden box tucked behind a grove of trees on the southern lawn. He lived there for years, until he and Christopher had an argument. It was an explosive interaction that made me glad we lived in the country and had no nearby neighbors. I watched from our bedroom window as sparks stormed away from the house. He turned once and looked straight at me. His expression was something that has haunted me ever since. Every emotion was present on his face. Passion and pain danced a perilous duet across his handsome features. I didn't see him again until the day Christopher died. But I wasn't surprised when he reappeared. Sparks had the uncanny ability to be present wherever people suffered most. He enjoyed it, fed off it, and I was angered to see his brooding face looking at me over the remains of my happiness. I'm getting close to the end of my tale, so I will hurry things along. Sparks supported me after Christopher died and I grew to love him. He was a very passionate man, quick to love and quick to rage. My life was tumultuous during that time, and we parted when I couldn't take his anger any longer. It was bad when I left. Really bad. He hurt me, but I managed to escape. I went into hiding in a cave in the frozen north. I focused on improving my skills as a witch Happiness and then the tumult of life had made me forget so much of my earlier training at Nork Hollow, and I studied for many long and lonely years. If it hadn't been for Sparks, I may never have studied hard enough to become who I am today. I owe him that much, I suppose. In my studies, I stumbled onto the tale of the Raskies, and the demise of their king at the hands of a witch. When he split, part of his energy became attached to the witch, and haunted her throughout her life. She and her children could not escape him. It was passed down through the generations of witches. The most powerful of the Norghallow witches are all cursed with this attachment. Many have done desperate things to separate themselves from the Rasky, but none have ever succeeded. The Rasky always returns, always at a significant time in the lives of these witches, and he will always return until every witch is dead or someone is strong enough to stop him. Valencia stopped speaking. She looked concerned, but I motioned eagerly for her to continue. She sighed, gave me one more apprehensive look, and finished her story. I sat for a long time after she told me. The brave foremother, the witch who fought a god and brought him to a mere shadow of his old power, was Valencia's grandmother. I was her descendant, the last witch of Norghollow or I would be once I finished my training. The Rasky would come to me, and I would battle him. But where or when Valencia could not say. She continued by saying that she now believed Sparks had been part of the Rasky. His powers had been far greater than she had known. Their fight before she left him had proved that, and she was lucky to have survived. She believed he had done something to cause Christopher's death, as well as all the other suffering that seemed to follow in his wake. She said nothing else and left me alone to think in silence. But she had already planted the seed. The rasky that would come to me during a significant time in my life, my coming of age, and the beginning of my training. It all seemed to connect to Blade's strange behaviors and moods. I turned it over in my mind again and again, unable to believe that I could love a being of pure evil. I cried for a long time that night, Eventually, I was too exhausted to continue and collapsed on the sofa. My sleep was tormented by dreams of Blade and evil spirits and monstrous men. I awoke at dawn, more exhausted than when I had gone to sleep, and made my way into the library. Blade was waiting for me on the lawn below, and I staggered out into the morning sun to meet him. And that is the end of chapter four. I hope you guys are enjoying Storytime with M., I will be back next week with a new chapter of The Last Witch. I hope you have a beautiful week. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep reading. If rap Media Productions